I'm all right, Chris. I'm all the better for speaking to you and looking at those lovely guitars behind you. Oh, mate, it's been, it's been a while. It's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been a while. Lovely, lovely guitars, mate. Oh, my, 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 my Eddie collection. Excellent. I look, I look a bit like a fanboy, but these literally are the ones that I'm using at the moment to record because this is where I see beautiful the songs and all that. But beautiful. But, but yeah, I can I can only sort of compete to a certain point. I've got my Star Wars blind behind me. I don't know if you can make that out. That's that's as I, good as it I gets for me. That, but I've actually got a I've got a bed sheet that looks like that. Have you? Oh. In, fact, in fact, I've got one that's that's ultra nerdy and ultra cool. But I've got one which is like the, the two the two body lengths of a Darth Vader and a Stormtrooper, right? And the pillowcases are the helmets. Ah, so, awesome. so you can actually get into bed and be Darth Vader. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> do you do heavy breathing? We go to bed. <laughs> Sometimes. Was <laughs> that how you snore? Maybe. Oh, I'll, ask, I'll, I'll ask. I'll ask the missus. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, brilliant to be here, mate. Really, really looking forward to it. How, how's it? How's it been then? This, um, the last the last year of uh, of difference. You know, let's just put it that way. <laughs> uh it's not been a lot different for me. If I'm completely honest with you, um, I've I've been working from home for like twelve years now. And um, a lot of the time it's been spent literally isolated in a room with me and a computer or a phone and whatnot, um, communicating through the ether on the internet and doing business and not going out a lot. Um, ever since 2013, I haven't, I haven't been playing in bands really. It's really been about the PR company. And um, so when lockdown kicked in, um, I was kind of ready for it. I was, you know, built for it. I've, you know, I lived on my own for 10 years, um, worked from home for 10, 12 years. And so it was a shock, you know, obviously not being able to do all those things that we were able to do before. But ultimately, um, it was business as usual. And I, you know, what can I say? Just, just work through it, find a way. You've got to find a way. You can't let the black dog get a hold of you too much. And um, just got to forge on and keep busy and take the quick wins, give them a hug, you know, not let the, let, let the failures beat you up too much. And um, yeah, onwards and upwards always with me. I try and always remain positive, even when it seems a bit dire. Yeah. That's, that's inspiring, man. That's inspiring because I think, especially in the sort of, well, the music industry or any kind of musician as, as, as seems to have, there's, there's, there's few that have thrived and sort of took things on and, and, and sort of like diversified their uh, their output, let's say, to fit in with the, the way the world is. Mm. But there's a probably 20 times that that have literally got despondent with what they do. And, you know, the fact they're not playing, they're not earning, they're not doing things. And it, it can be horrific, really, when you think about it. Um, yeah, it's challenging times. And... Um... The word diversify, I think, is applicable, uh, very applicable. If you can still, my, my opinion is, if you can still find a way to be a creative artist, to enjoy music, whether it's a listener or performing or work in the music business, 
uh, and and you're comfortable with it and you know the stresses aren't too stressful and the people that you work with are, are lovely good people um that's fine it might not earn you a full-time income and like me i i diversify i, I literally have like stampede pr marketing i have a lighting a bottle with toby jepson where we do mentoring with bands i'm a tutor with water bear college music i run a small social media business and i do a bit of mentoring on the side and it might sound like a lot to some people, but that's just time management and organisation for me because everything that is involved with that is all my skill set. And I still, if I wanted to, I could still go, you know, play play in a band. Uh, admittedly, it would just be over Zoom or whatnot at the moment. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm fortunate. I've had like 20, 25 years of diversifying and, and you know, having, having the pitfalls and learning quite quickly and being mentored by some very inspiring people. And... But yeah, if it's not if it's not natural to you, it's not it's not it's not really easy to pick it up very quickly. You have to learn, and in this day and age as well, it's it's a sprint learn as well, um, compared to like 10, 15 years ago. Things just move so quickly. I mean, every day we're like, "Well, that's new. That's new. That's new. I need to learn this. I need to do that." And um, it can be overwhelming sometimes. I don't know about you, but I, I, I do get overwhelmed. So I have to sort of take a deep breath and go, well, what's my next best right move? And the moment I, I'm in that sort of position, then that's it. I'm fine. But, um, I if you let it... I think, I think you're right. I mean, it seems to at the moment, it's like once you kind of get your head around one sort of medium and you start learning it and how it works and how different the logarithms work, they either change <laughs> or something else comes out that's the next yeah, best yeah. thing. You know, it's yeah. like, I mean, look at this, Zoom. We'll be talking about Zoom a year ago. Now it's like, it's the best thing ever. Well, it's just like Skype or Microsoft Teams or Google Meets. Yeah, but it's Zoom. <laughs> you know, it's like... It's Zoom. It's, it's, yeah, it's great. It's great when you don't have your phone up the wrong way. As, as per the start of this interview, you're like, Bobby, your, your head's up the wrong way. Oh, okay. Yeah, the simplest of things. I was talking to someone the other day. I said the simplest of things that I used to be able to just do without thinking about. Now, now I... I kind of like get a bit stressed about and I don't know what that is because I used to be able to do them without thinking I guess there's just so much out there now we you know we're just subject to so much content so many every day there's a new digital platform coming along every day there's someone advertising on social media saying pay me $27 and I will give you the world I will show you how to make a million dollars and you're like you just got to be like well is this what i want is is this going to work for me does this fit into my framework and it's 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 a constant sort of questioning and answering sort of process and i always just write things down I mean, i don't know if you can see but i've got my doctor's handwriting behind me on this whiteboard and that's literally my master plan anytime i kind of like feel like i'm just getting sucked into facebook news feed looking at cats and whatnot i'm like Go back to your whiteboard, go back to your plan, focus on what you need to do. <laughs> because yeah. I do get disrupted and distracted very easily. I'm just <laughs> I'm just I'm just hooked on the, the one page at the moment. And I do I share some of it every day. It's the the alternative photographic archives. Have you seen that? 
No, I've not seen that. No, let's check it out. Basically, they do an on this day thing every day, and it's like a, a fact about a celebrity, but they post a completely wrong photo, like a, like a, <laughs> oh, a, right, a, dodgy, okay. a dodgy lookalike. I mean, the other, the other day, it was like, on this day, in 1987, Lethal Weapon came out starring Mel Gibson and Danny Glover, but they shared a photo of Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I think you just highlighted something really important there. It's like, what is it? What is it that I want to get out of the internet or the, the, the social media? The, the age we're in. What is it that I enjoy? And literally, if you can go right, these are the ten things that I'm, I want to explore and and allow it to enhance my life. Brilliant. I mean, that's 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 the internet and modern day te- technology working definitely. If you literally can go, well, that's the one thing I want to focus on. Everything else, you know, whatever. It's yeah. You're right. There's too much of it. It's like even when i mean obviously recently started a youtube channel and because the whatever you want to call it sees that i'm a new creator and i've mm. put nine videos up when i log on to newsfeed now uh, my youtube channel feed now is literally just tons of videos of people going how to put the right words in uh, i can unlock youtube i can get you a thousand subscribers straight away and all this and i'm just like whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm. Let, let me have a go with it first yeah firing all this yeah. stuff at me you know what i mean it's like it'd be the equivalent of like taking your first guitar lesson and then someone comes in the next day and goes i can, <laughs> teach, you, I can teach you how to sweet pick you're still on your e <laughs> yeah i'm trying to learn it and get your finger down to the next next fret <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah do you want a sweet pick yeah, yeah. and show it, you it, a million notes an hour it's like, what? What? It, it is literally like that and it's like i have to like sort of turn my brain away from it because otherwise yeah I'll get stuck down that rabbit hole of watching hours and hours of content, which is what they want you to do because they get yeah. from it. Yeah, yeah, while, yeah. And while I'm doing that, I'm not learning anything myself. I'm not. I'm not creating content. I'm not booking um, another guest to do this with. I'm not recording anything. I'm literally watching some dude who wants me to watch them until the end of their video, so we can get the sweet ad money cheese. Ultimately, I mean, that, you know, that's a really good point about you starting guitar. And then suddenly you're thrust with these adverts teaching you how to, you know, sweet pick, you know, and, and whatnot. Um, and that can be really stressful, isn't it? If you're literally starting guitar and then suddenly like, well, the next thing I need to do is sweet, learn how to sweet pick. You've missed out all those key parts of the journey of learning guitar that yeah. can enable you to be able to carry out that, you know, or, or decide it's stress. Whether you, or decide whether you want to do that or not. Because yeah, like, yeah. I, don't, I don't do that personally because of the years putting in, I've realised that's not really the kind of sound I like very much. Yeah. But I wouldn't know yeah. that because if, if when I was 15, someone was like, do this guitar course now, here's my course. It's only £10 a month and it's great and it'll make you shred and 90 second Instagram video that's edited and sped up. Watch me, I'm great. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of that yeah. as well. I do watch those and laugh. I mean, I watched one yesterday. I'm not going to name names because I'm like... I'm pro in a way that you don't bag on your peers or anything like that or anyone. Um, but I did watch a video and it was just obviously sped up because the guy's head's moving double as fast when his fingers are going, he's doing this. And it's like, well, I'm a player, so I know that I'm not going to be doing that when I'm doing that. Just, yeah. Just, it looked terrible and it was like, what? But kids are watching that and going, well, oh, I've got to get that fast. Well, see, yeah, the, the brain, their brains yeah, are wired, aren't it, they? It, it, because they've been brought up. Yeah, it's ultra competitive. It's like I, I need to, I need to, you know, I need to be as good as that. 
I, I was talking to my friend the other day who's um, he's just a hobbyist, which is probably the best thing. You know, he loves playing guitar. It's his hobby. He's got no interest in music business. He's got his own little home studio um, and he watches YouTube videos. And I remember once having a conversation with him. He was getting a bit down about the fact that his 10-year-old was, you know, just killing it on guitar. And he was just like, I'm never going to be that good. And I, and I said to him, well, look, look at it. He's been brought up with YouTube. Literally every day he's been able to go on YouTube and learn all this different stuff. Besides which, that's just a moment in time that's been captured on video. He didn't just suddenly pick it up and go, well, he might be able to, but he didn't just suddenly cut that, you know, edit that video, out it goes. It was, it took time. He had to learn it all. He just, it's just sprinting now. You know, we've got all the tools in there. If we've got the time, we could sit down and learn all this stuff. But you've got, it's not, you're right. You just got to focus on what works for you. What do you enjoy? I always say, you know, to, 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 to bands and people that I work with, it's like, you know, the, the smartphones and digital technology and the internet and the innovation, the evolution of it, it's, 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 it's incredible. But it's all too easy to be held hostage by it, whereas we should look at it, um, and I sound a bit pre preachy here, but we should look at it as an opportunity to enhance our lives. What is it that we love about it that can enhance our lives as opposed to, well, I've got to do all of it and I've got to answer, I've got to go back to everyone quickly, you know, messenger and all this stuff that, that about you stresses the hell out of me. Um, I've, I've, yeah, I've, I, I've had my phone on silent for a year and a half. To be oh, honest. Bless you. I, I, I know I, people I, that, I like it like that, you know, if, you know. I know people that don't use smartphones for accessing the internet i know for people that actually use phones just for phones and and i kind of like look at them and go oh, i wish i could do that <laughs> but i can't I, you know? I, I, I know i know people like that literally that i send a message about something that they might answer a day later because they literally when they open the computer up next they'll check the messages like their emails you see everybody else mm. is it like we see it like a text don't we messenger is yeah another, it's another text now, if you've got a text on your phone, you're going to answer it really quick because you brought. We've got twenty odd years of doing that. I've got a text I reply yeah. to, it. but messenger's kind of the same, isn't it? It's just because. Let's put this put this way, right? There's I know lots of people, but nowadays people don't even ask for your number anymore because they don't need it because they can just look no. add you on Facebook and ping you on Messenger. Yeah, it's yeah. It's back from the old networking days where we'd all exchange numbers at gigs and be like, okay, this this will work. Someone might come out of this and, you know, it's different now. It's just add you on Facebook, pin you a message. Mess message is brilliant, I think, if you've got an established relationship. You know, yeah. someone like yourself pops up. I'm like, okay, well, it's Chris. Yeah, let's go back to Chris. Let's have a chat. Because we've got history. Yeah. But what the challenge is with Messenger is that it's it's opened the doors that anyone can message us. You know, I, I, get, I get bands that just people out of the blue that I don't really know um, and they just message me and they go well here's our new video please share it and I'm like I don't know who you are you know we haven't we haven't gone through the process of having establishing a relationship and actually working out if we like one another yeah. as starters and uh, past that is there, a, is there any kind of business to be done here is there a win-win situation to be had here there's that messenger is sort of just leapt over five or six crucial steps when it comes to relationship management and just allowed the doors to be flung open so i mean i don't know about you but in terms of messenger i only respond to people that i have a good relationship uh, and even then sometimes i might say to them can you do me a favor and just drop me an email because email is where my real focus is i can flag everything i can prioritize everything messenger 
you just get a long list of messages and you just you lose track. Yeah, I mean, um, th- this used to affect me more in, in when I was doing A&R because, like you say, people would use the fact that they could find you on Facebook. Or what would get me is like, because you were always really clever at this because you knew the rules. If you did a Facebook post, you tagged the brand. Yeah. You'd never post something up and say like, oh, I've just been and got this, I had this great day at testing amps out and I've got this and I've got that, thanks to Chris Taylor. Because you knew straight away, I would literally get bombarded with people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to do that. I used to be like, can you tag the brand and not me as a person? Yeah. Because I'd literally get 24-7 inbox messages off people asking for, you know, endorsements and can I get this and can I, can I come and try this and can I have artist price and this and blah, blah. Here's my band. Can you share it? Blah blah, and I was like, the amount of times that I put Facebook statuses up saying my work's email address is blah blah blah. Thank you very much, because I just mm. it just got too much. It was like, it was it was constant, you know, because there there wasn't that feeling out process. It was like, oh well, there's there's Chris, someone else, someone's tagged him that I like. I'll add him on Facebook, and I wouldn't accept him, you know. Mm. But they can still message me. They can still pick yeah. Me. And I used to just have all this stuff, you know, and be like. It, it was overwhelming. It's like you're, you're trying to focus on focus on um, your actual point of it, which is which is getting some return from your investment in the artists that work with you. You know, and we had, yeah. a good, we had a good bunch of people, you guys included, which we'll get onto that 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 literally saw that as a two way street and saw that as a partnership and did what they could to to promote both things at the same time. You know, and it's like, but I was just bombarded with it, and, you, and you're totally right. Messenger is literally just. It took out the feeling out process between two parties completely. It's like, boom, there they are. Bang. You know? We're going to put you together in the pub and you're going to spend the night together. But you don't like one another. And one of you hates beer. What? That's the best. That's the, <laughs> that, that's, that's the best analogy. That's the, that's the best analogy ever. Yeah. <laughs> I think well, it's getting better. I think it's getting better, but. Uh, uh, definitely the past five years I've seen an acceleration because more and more people are using smartphones more and more people are using Facebook I mean it's approaching three billion users or whatnot compared to MySpace in 2007 MySpace remember you literally if you wanted to use MySpace you'd have to get your dial-up network going you'd have to get behind your computer yeah (laughs) get behind the computer right what am I going to do today Okay, you you were limited. You know, you go on MySpace and you were limited as to what you could do. Um, and and uh, I think 2007 was a changing point, wasn't it? Because that's when Steve yeah. Jobs introduced the iPhone. So that coupled with um, broadband, and then the last five six years, the speed of broadband now and the speed and the power of iPhones that's just enabled more people to get on platforms like Facebook and to utilize Messenger and. Literally, it's, it almost needs to be this kind of like you need to spend an hour to learn the 10 key things on how best to utilize a platform like Facebook, especially when it comes to relationships and whatnot. Because, you know, we're, we're having this conversation because we know each other. We haven't actually seen each other since, or properly, it would have been before, it would have been before download, but we saw each other download. Guns and Roses were about to go on, I think, and we just happened to come yes. across each other. Literally, 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 a couple of years before we we met up properly there because we were both there for for, for worky stuff, weren't we? And we, I remember, yeah, we, yeah. we, had, we had a bit of a yeah. come by come by yard session with an acoustic guitar and a couple of beers, didn't we? In the back, 
<laughs> so it's, it's, the it's second just, time it's was mad because me and Lucy walking through, and you and, and Diane coming. Diane, yeah, just Guns and Roses about to go on. Just, yeah, and how 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 busy how busy was it? It was absolutely people. rammed. And what were the chances of us just sort of coming across each other's paths and straight away, like, hey, doing? Yeah. You know? And and that's 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 what a real relationship is. You know, we I, I see some people now and again. I, see, I don't see some people for years, but then because we've got that relationship and history in place, it just clicks because you've got that history, you've got those stories to tell and talk about, and you've got a vested interest in that person's well-being. And that's how it should work. But yeah, the, the likes of Facebook Messenger, etc., just bypasses that, and um, it upsets some people. Not just not just us as a recipient, perhaps, but also the person that sent the message because they don't understand how it works. They kind of think because you do get you do get some people saying it's fine to ask. It's fine to ask if you've got that relationship in place. But I'd argue it's not fine to ask if there is no relationship in place. You're literally just like, hey, Chris is my band. Check it out. I want a free guitar. That, yeah. you know, you're going to be like, delete. And then that person's go off. Screw Chris. Screw yeah. how and dare they, he And, 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 and they think that you're, a, you're an absolute git for being that way. But, yeah. but you got to protect yourself. Yeah, I do. Now. It's like, I mean, in one, one phone, every time we start in this, obviously I've got to advertise on different platforms. But like, I was speaking to Lucy the other day. So I'm, I'm gonna, I don't even know why I've got Snapchat on my phone because I don't use it. Yeah. Apart from going on it to delete notifications from it that someone might have sent me a group Snapchat. And that's all I do is open it and go delete. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know why I've got it. I mean, I get the, yeah. the Facebook and Instagram thing, but I do I do miss MySpace. You know, that, that was, oh, so it, it, that was, it was far simpler. Far simpler back then. But well, uh, you'd look forward to, wouldn't you? What song should I put on it today that when someone comes yeah, on my page, it the plays? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Yeah. I mean, it, it was simpler. Um, but, you know, look what we're doing now. We're having this fantastic chat over Zoom. The technology is absolutely incredible. It, I guess it's just a way of managing it. What works best for you? What, yeah. what, what makes you get the most out of it? And very overwhelming overwhelming us and that's what i try and do every day it's a challenge isn't it it's a challenge sometimes but but um yeah what what i want to get into in a bit is like Mm. all the awesome stuff that you're doing now because i find it really really inspiring there's so much help that you give people and you know with with your knowledge but like like i've done in every podcast uh, so far what i like to get into the people that are that are in music that literally what was the initial thing that made you think i want to do music i want to play bass play guitar play drums and, and where did it go from there oh my god okay i'm gonna give you a real sprint through this That's all right. um i got into music really really early on my dad used to be a keyboard player uh in the 60s he'd support bands like the kinks stuff like that i think he went and saw hendrix at the cabin club in norwich uh, back in the day so essentially it was in my dna to be a musician and um, very quickly at an early age, I would find myself down in the lounge with a hi-fi because I didn't have a hi-fi in my bedroom. I was like four or five at the time. There'd be mum and dad watching the TV and there'd be me with headphones on, the old hi-fi deck with all the different decks and whatnot, the record player, the, the tape to tape. Still got- love them, <laughs> love them. In the cabinet, in a nice 80s wood 
cabinet and whatnot. And I'll be sat there listening to vinyl. I'll be listening to the Beach Boys, uh, Blondie, Queen, Carpenters, ELO, all stuff like that. And upstairs, my, my brother's like playing White Snake and Deep Purple and Rainbow and all these kind of bands. And so I got the bug very early on. And um, it was around about 12, 13, I think, that I, I picked up a guitar and realised I wasn't very good at it. And then someone suggested playing the bass because everyone was a guitarist as well. You know, everyone was a guitarist and no one wanted to play bass. So I was like, right, okay, I'm going to play bass. And stupidly at the time, I thought, that's going to be really easy. I just, you've got four strings, you literally just pick each string. I didn't even consider that you'd have to fret, you know, use a fretboard, you know, it was that simple. But um, eventually I worked it out and... Um, yeah, I was just playing in my bedroom and eventually I joined a band in school. Um, and then fast forward in the 90s, I've really got the bit between my teeth. I go to college, I meet loads of super people into the same music and playing in bands. And ultimately I failed college because I just wanted to play in bands. Spent the 90s playing in various bands. Um, got completely burnt out towards the end of it, towards the end of 98, I think. Um quit cut my hair um got some basic learning under my belt because as i said i flunked college massively in 92 um got some basic skills in 98 went to go and work for a company called fujitsu and spent like four or five years like working on help desks eventually working my way out to project management service delivery management uh working across the UK working for Deutsche Bank and things like that and very corporate but I learned so much from it picked up so many skills from it incredible time really but always in the back of my mind during that time I was like I really want to play in a band <laughs> I just really really want to play in a band I don't want to wear it suit and tie I want to play in a band I want to have long hair I want to tour I want the rock and roll lifestyle you know essentially I didn't know what the rock and roll, roll lifestyle was, to be fair. It was all like magazines and TV and radio. That's why I thought rock and roll lifestyle was. Um, but then eventually I, I got back to the bands around 2000, 2001. And eventually I was asked to join a group. And um, the bass player at the time was going to be the singer. Um, he didn't want to play bass. And they were looking for someone to come in and join them on bass while they were writing their EP and ultimately a debut album. And that band turned out to be a band called Panic Cell. Um, it wasn't called Panic Cell at the time. I think we evolved from Gucker Cell into Panic Cell. And um, yeah, very quickly we, we formed a bunch of songs. And I don't know what it was, Chris, but I just felt that was the moment that was going to change things for me. And so I quit a full-time job, completely quit it. Went to mum and dad and said, I've got to do this. And because my dad had been on his own little journey back in the 60s and then stopped to marry my mum and have a family, I think they knew that I had to do it. They kind of like were cautious. They were like, are you sure you want to do it? I'm like, I've got to do it. I just, I just know something great is going to happen out of this. So I did in 2003 or 2004, I quit the full-time job and just went for it with Panic Cell. Massively went for it. And I think one of the reasons why we achieved success very quickly is that we were very driven all five of us were shaking legs at the same time is there was a lot of skills involved a lot of people knew a lot of, of, of digital technology 
I was like on the, on the cusp of learning new things about it as well. Um, various members, myself included, were very good at networking and forming relationships. We already had relationships with people in the music industry. We were very, very lucky to be able to have things like websites, um, music, professional high-spec music videos, and be able to have access points to get on TV, radio, PR, um, distribution, all these things that back in 2003, 2004 were still very exclusive to like the majors. Um, so yeah, we, we just sprinted. And for probably two or three years, we were, you know, we were all shaking a leg at the same time and, and big things happened really, really quickly for us. Um, and that's, that, that's just like, that's, that's my starting point, I guess. And that carried on through to about, 2011 where you were part of part of that journey if you remember where you yeah, came and played guitar would, course I, for I, a few I gigs would, I, I wouldn't change it for the world mate you you were stuck at the time and it would come to a random conversation it's like oh, we got these gigs coming up and like we literally said i'll do it yeah the damnation festival <laughs> and it was like it was like it was like will you it's like yeah and then i had to drive for like four hours to a practice and stuff but 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 it, do you know what I'd do it all again tomorrow because it was great. It was, I loved it. You know, it's like. It was great fun. I mean, I, the whole we, thing. Because we, we first met, probably download 2009. Yeah, sounds about right. Something in like the, that. In, in the VIP campsite. And it was you and oh. H. And, uh, we, oh, blimey. We, 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 <laughs> we just all got on and ended up spending like a good night and a few beers. And then, and then we started talking like, probably a few months later about Ibanez and stuff, didn't we? And it was like, yeah, okay, this, this works. Because at the time you've got like Polish Woodstock coming up and all this great yeah. stuff and some videos lined up. And I actually, this, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I was actually at um, Amsterdam the one year and it was a, because I used to go twice a year and it was like where they, you know, the, the meeting of all the all the distributors and they'd show you what they were bringing out next year and they'd show you their marketing plans and like they'd literally, it was the, it was the big Ibanez presentation and they put on the full screen in the, in the massive like Hilton or we were in in the, in the ballroom on the, they had a big screen for the presentation and they put the photo of you guys with the Ibanez <laughs> guitars uh, looking at with the crowd behind you at Polish Woodstock as the main thing in their presentation and I was like amazing what I say you know amazing yeah. oh man that's it's, it's another life isn't it <laughs> looking everything that we've done self-included it's, it's, it seems like another life but, um yeah good times challenging times very challenging times I was, I was in the middle of a breakdown during that point but um i, I just uh, had to see it through because you just can't turn down things like those sort of gigs those sort of moments you know you, Literally in 2010, when we were doing Metallica and all these different things, and I was like ready to quit the band. I, I was so burnt out. My my mental health was at, at its lowest. I'd, I'd literally been put, doing the band for like eight or nine years, full on, absolutely every day, full on, and really not seeing, apart from fantastic opportunities, not being able to earn a living out of it, still having to do a side job, temp job, and whatnot, and um, you, 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 as an artist, as a creative artist, I think we're very fragile. I think our brains, uh, you know, they border on the the, the, the sparks, the, the genius points that allow you to create music, to be able to be a performer, whatever it is. There's also this part of us that um, is very fragile. 
And I think I was open to that very much so towards the end. Um, but thankfully, I worked it out, got through it. I did leave the band. The band split up eventually. Um, but I wouldn't change anything for the world. You know, I met my wife because of it, made some good friends. You know, we're having a chat now about it because of what happened everything that you did for the band, including coming and playing with us, you know. That's going above It's just beyond. fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's going above and beyond. Jesus, when are you going to call that favour back to you, mate? Jeez, we, we owe you massively. We'll see. Incredible. We'll see, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Ah, it's brilliant, mate. Yeah, wouldn't change you for the world. Oh, man, it's it, it, great times, you know. It's always going to have a special part in my in my memory. It's just that, you know, the, the, was it the autumn and winter of 2010 or something it was just fun you know lots, yeah. lot, lots of miles and the weird thing was is like because it was so sort of grassroots at that time it's like people were expected us to all turn up in like a minivan or something and literally we we're all driving separate cars to gigs at the time weren't we all over yeah. the place up to leeds down to canterbury and all this and i was going back. yeah because i think i, I think Luke must have been tour managing someone, was, probably yeah. tour managing Skindred or something. So we had to make our own way. Because, I mean, by that point, the band was, you know, we'd, we'd lost two original members. Um, the, the, the guitarist that we had, Nathan, um, he, he wasn't able to do the shows. I think he might have stepped away at the time. So why we asked you to come in. Um, Luke was very much really hot on on the tour manager. He was doing so well with and, it, and, and he's and look at it, he's he's done he's oh, up and up. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Machine Head, I think, was his last last gig. TM, yeah. the Machine Chili, Head, Chili, Chili Peppers, Chili Peppers, Florence and Machine, <laughs> and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, at, at, at the time, you know, it, it was challenging, you know. But you know, I can I can definitely reflect on it now and go, well, yeah, absolutely, he had to do that. He absolutely had to do that. We were. Panic Cell was a, was great fun. Um, we achieved a lot of stuff, but ultimately it was never going to be the end game. It was always just always part of everyone's journey as to what happened next, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I I look back on it and go, fuck. It was it was it was tough sometimes, but we had some amazing times as well. And, and I look and, back on it with fond memories. And some like great relationships coming out of it in the end, you know. I mean, there's that. Like I said, I'll give him a shout out now. I was, chatting to Mr. Pro and Fist Fratfit last night. And, uh, you know, he just holds you guys in such great esteem because of the, you know, the relationships and and the memories. And it's like, it's all, it's all the, we're, we're all kind of part of a big gang that if we ever bump yeah. together, it's like, you know. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm surprised Brian doesn't hold me in, you know, like put a gun to my head and go, why? Why did you do it? Because the, the thing with Brian, um, literally I used to, when the band first started, we had our first EP out. I was going through like forums, and I think I met Brian on Killswitch Engage forum or something. And he said, I'm in a band, you know, I do this. And I said, I'll oh, send us a link. And I sent the link, and that was it. Ever since then, you know, he, he literally stepped up to the plate because he's a fantastic graphic designer and yeah. various other things. And yeah, he, he helps us out so much. And, you know, people like yourself, Brian. And many other people, it's just like, like, like you say, relationships. Put, put them in there as well, man. Mark Latham, yeah. yeah, yeah. Ended up, ended up, um, yeah, it's just like incredible. And look where everyone's going, you know, we're all doing our different things. And but we always like, you know, at some point we re reconnect and talk about the old days and get asked, What are you doing now? And everyone's pretty productive, which is really encouraging. It's not like no one's looking back on it and going, Oh, it's much better back then, but it's like, well, no, I, I think everyone's like kind of like looking at now, going, Well, this is what I'm doing now. 
I could smell the roses, but I want to continue and challenge myself and the opportunities are there to be out. I've just, I've just got to work hard and smart and you'll find a way. Yeah, great. Well, that, that kind of leads on nicely, actually, because after after the sort of live playing era of your, of your career, um, when, when you, you chose to sort of end it there, I mean, you started out on your, your own businesses, man, which was which was great to watch from afar. Because at the time, I'm seeing things coming up on social media or we're having a whole chat about what you're up to. Because there was a band after that that I helped you out. We helped. We did some stuff together with some videos and things. Um, but then seeing you, seeing you forward ahead with, with well, what essentially you're doing now has, has been mm. inspiring. It's been really, really inspiring, man. No, oh, cheers, mate. Um, I'll be honest. I was I was broken after Panic Cell. Um, we we tried that Seven Deadly band, but I just my head was a complete mess, and I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I've got no real qualifications. I've been out of the business world. For, well, since um, well, for nine years or whatever, what am I going to do? And um, the one thing I kept coming back to was PR because I did a lot of PR for Stan, um, for Panic Cell. So that's why I set up Stampede, and um, I deliberately didn't call myself Bobby Town. I I didn't want to use Panic Cell as a springboard. Um, not that we were ever massive or anything like that, but I, I wanted to see what I could achieve on my own steam and just see that, you know, I've done this with the band. What can I do on my own? So I set up Stampede, deliberately didn't call myself Bobby Town, called myself Rob Stampede. And um, I just started reaching out. I just built, a, I built a, a shiny website. I made it look as good as it could. I, I wrote the bio and made things pop out and made sure that people could see that I was a credible good person and fortunately it worked I, I was you know i think my first client was terrorvision something like that and um i literally all i do is like reach out to bands and say that you know i'm a big fan i'm doing this now I'll, you know and i'd let them know who i was and my track record in confidence but i wouldn't publicly go out there and say you know, i used to play in this band and we did all this stuff and because i didn't want it to look like i was like oh i've got all this experience so you you need to give me money, you know. I, which is which is what, I didn't, we, what we said earlier. There's so many people doing that at the moment. Mm, you know? Yeah, I, I I've never been like that. I mean, I've, I've stampede. I, I have a very small roster. I mean, I've got no one at the moment. I'm literally just wrapping up a campaign, and I've got some campaigns further down the road and whatnot. But it's always about quality. It's got to be about quality and authenticity and. Do I believe in the music? And more, imp more importantly, do I believe in the people that are involved? Is there a relationship, a good relationship there to be had? Because there's nothing worse than just taking on a job because it's a payday and suffering bad relationships. There's stress that comes with it. And, you know, we were talking about the access points with Facebook Messenger. I've been there and oh, it's just, you know what it's like, it's horrible. Absolutely horrible. So I have firewalls now. I have these systems in place that if someone wants to work with me, they instantly get a, a form we have to fill out. And by filling out that form, I can tell straight away, okay, you're going to be a nightmare. So um, uh, here's an option. Maybe you want to book a consultation with me and I can advise you on the best way to navigate the PR process. Or if I... If I filled out the form and the music's great and they've ticked all the boxes that work for me, I'm like, okay, let's have a chat. 
Um, but I have to be very careful because I have in the past just allowed myself to let anyone in and I end up spending like two or three hours on the phone to them, giving them gold and then they go away and I don't hear from them again. So I've, I've had to, I've worked that one out eventually over the years. But ultimately, I mean, yes, that Stampede, PR, marketing, um, it's also, um, there's some mentoring involved in there as well to help um, musicians understand how to best navigate the music industry, avoid the common pitfalls and have a good time doing it as well, you know. And one of the key things for me is like managing relationships. You know, things happen because you have relationships in place. We, we you know, we were fortunate enough to be endorsed because of you, because we formed a relationship. We liked each other and things happened because of it. We got gigs, we got on TV and whatnot because we formed relationships with the program managers and the promoters and the bookers and whatnot. Simply, simple put, you know, if you can get relationships in place and you've got something of value to offer, great things can happen. Amazing things can happen. We proved that time and time again. And I, I'm fortunate enough to be, let that be happening with Stampede as well. But it's mainly because I, I work with good, authentic people that have um, our well-being, our own well-being, interest at heart. You know? um, yeah, a bit of a rambly answer that. So, you know, no, no, it's actually, it's actually, it's actually brilliant because I think people need that even more now in these times. Mm. I think you're right because it's not. Yeah. It, it really. It's, you know, I try and tell anybody that has a similar chat with me. It's not about being the biggest, the fastest, the brightest, the sharpest, the, the poshest looking. It really is about how you interact as a person with other people and how you form those relationships. Now you keep those relationships, and basically, don't be a dick. You know. Yeah. Like, you know. It's like, and I just going to look. You're just going to be in reverse. Is that in reverse? No, it's fine. That, that's perfect. Exactly. I have that every day. That and my whiteboard are my two go-to moments whenever I feel a little bit overwhelmed or feeling anxious or I'm letting my mind get the better of me. It's like, oh, just take a step back. You're being a dick. Just take a step back. It's your brain. That's nothing else. It's your brain. Don't be a dick. Yeah, absolutely. Don't be a dick. Because it, 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 and you know, it's people are subliminally being dicks as well. They don't, yeah, I don't understand it because they don't understand. I'd argue they don't understand the environment they're in. They don't understand how to navigate the environment. They don't understand the people that they're trying to communicate with because there's no relationship in place. There's all these various factors, and it's quite simple. Are you authentic? Are you looking to seek a beneficial relationship that's a win-win? Do you have something to offer, uh, especially if it's business? Um, yeah, because any, we've all got the shiny tools. We can all produce, promote, distribute our music. We can all connect with each other on the internet and whatnot. But really, the difference is going to be, is there, is there something of value there? Is there a relationship there? If there is, then you doors open. Let's come and have a chat. Let's see if we can work stuff out. It might work out, might not, but there'll be no great shakes about it because you've got a relationship in place and you can talk to each other and be honest with each other. Yeah, I think that that's the key for me. I think we're lacking that a lot nowadays. I think you're right. I think you're right. And people seem to be too concerned in getting into the popularity race. Oh, which, is, I, I, which is which is social media to a T, isn't it? Yeah. Rather I, I, than rather, rather than picking up on these points that are so important, 
you know it's like yeah everything to me that it's, it's so synthetic you know it's like you, you look at things and you go well that guy's got so many likes for doing this and it doesn't matter it doesn't yeah. matter because most of the people clicking the stuff haven't even watched it you know what i mean it, it, it's 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 much more important to, to like you say to have things built on relation relationships because with relationships creates engagement which creates much better content anyway because you know where your audience is you know what to do to find another audience but it's, it's genuine you're not just trying yeah. to find, oh what's the latest trend today oh, I'll, I'll do a, i'll do a guitar video about that i'll do i'll do a, mm-hmm. i'll do an interview with so and so i'll you know i'll cut me hair differently it's like like you say, it's devoid. It's taken away many, many, many steps in the in in the past would have been essential to to a getting anywhere with music or or, or or b forming any relationships to enable you to do it properly. It's 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 you've got to be able to switch it off, haven't you? You've got to be able to turn off. You've got to be able to go. Do you know what? I'm not going to stay up this feed anymore because it's if it starts to depress you and it starts to get on your nerves, put that phone down. You know, leave it. Because everybody's in a race, aren't they? It seems to me they are. You know, there's people there's people coming off Instagram now because they, they were amazing players or musicians that are coming off it just for a break because they can't deal with the mental stress of having to do so many videos to such a good level to keep their um, yeah presence, presence up there, and that's sad, man. You know, it's all, yeah. What's that song? What's that song by Paul Gilbert? Um, might be his last album. Uh, it's called "Let That Battery Die." It's about the phone, I think. I think it's about, I might be wrong, but it's called Let That Battery Die. And yeah, I, I could agree more. Um, as I said before, that the evolution, evolution of um, technology, digital platforms, smartphones, etc., I think is amazing. It's literally just understanding how to let it enhance your life, not hijack it. Um, I, I now and again, I have to really pinch myself and stop myself because I'm on my phone. And I forget why I'm on my phone. I'm like, what am I doing? Okay, I need to go into Instagram. Press Instagram. Scrolling through Instagram. No, I don't need to be on Instagram. Oh, it must be on Facebook. On Facebook. No, I don't, need, I don't need to be on Facebook. What am I on my phone for? I completely forget. So I have to put my phone down, reset my brain, come back upstairs, maybe have a cup of tea and stop and just like let my brain calm down. Look at me, doctor's handwriting on, on my whiteboard and go, Oh, you need to be writing that press release, you dick. Someone's paying you to do that. Go and do your job. <laughs> it, you're right. I'm the same. And I get told off for it. Sometimes I'll, 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 I'll be watching a film, but at the same time, I'm just... <laughs> I'm, yeah. not give, I'm not giving the film just I, I'm, pay, I'm paying six it. quid a... I'm paying six quid a month for Netflix. I'm not bloody watching the thing because I'm on my phone looking at Facebook feeds. and Yeah, and at the same time, I'm not really giving the respect to the time and effort and skill that's gone into making that movie that I've put on to watch because I'm literally just listening to it in the background. (laughs) It's crazy. And and I've got to stop doing it. My other thing I do, which is actually more predictable, I don't class this as a a bad habit, but some people will say it is, but I'll noodle on a guitar while watching a film. I'll literally say, yeah. Tell like Lucy's just like bang, you know. But then I would offer look at Eddie Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen would never be without his guitar in any situation with it. He'd literally be yeah. sat there because 
he, and I would argue that's the same for you. The, you know, the guitar is just part of you, and you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I there's think the, there's, I, there's know. actually there's actually a, a guitar upstairs. Um, literally, I can reach it from a lying down position in bed. I can literally roll over and go, "Oh, I've got an idea," without getting yeah. up, without getting up. Amazing. <laughs> it's like symbiotic. So, I, it's I I I think I think. I don't think I know this actually. You, what we need to consider is um, 2010 was a game changing year um, because Instagram came along. Um, I had a, a moment last year just before lockdown happened. Um, for some reason, I went down to Kent and I saw Harge and a couple of mates. And I decided to take a little pilgrimage because I, I was born in Chatham and Kent. I haven't been there for years. And I'm now in Norfolk, by the way. So I I drove down to Kent and I saw saw my mates on Friday night. And then the next night I had an, another couple of mates to see. But on that Saturday, I decided to take a drive to go to all the houses that I lived in Kent. I, li I lived in about seven houses, you know, growing up as a kid with my family and eventually buying my own. And um I revisited every one of those. And each, each one, I you know, had these memories. And I was like, oh, wow, amazing. The big one, and I'll get to the point right now, the big one for me was a house I, I, I bought in 2001 in Walderside in Chatham. And uh, I stopped off at the, the local sort of mini shopping area. And I thought, I'll go and grab a cup of coffee. I've got my laptop with me. I can do a bit of work. So I went and sat down and had a coffee. And as I came out, I was taken back 10 years ago before I moved. And I remembered exactly what that place looked like and how people acted at that time. And what struck me was in 2010, we weren't walking around like this, right? Imagine that's the phone. We weren't walking around like that. People were just walking around without phones, pretty much. But then fast forward to 2020, in exactly that same location, which hadn't really changed much. Pretty much everyone I saw walking past me, stuck on their phone, doing that. And that was like, bloody hell. In 10 years, we've gone from not doing it to literally we're glued to our screens and not paying attention to that car that's just about to come on over and not we how. <laughs> fascinating. But Instagram really was a game changer. And it, it brought about, you know, faster broadband etc smartphone evolving to what it what it is now and yeah it's um well, like it's say, fascinating we literally, we literally walk around like you say to a shopping area now with something in our hand which is probably four times the power of our laptops back in them days yeah crazy i mean that's absolutely these, 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 these are actually supercomputers that fit in your hand you know compared to yeah. what, what computers were back in the myspace era and all that you know what i mean it's like well, they'd be more they'd be more powerful than the first ever space shuttle or whatever it was back in it's, 50s 60s it's mind-boggling it's it's crazy it's getting to the point now where like literally it's what's next i do think we're, i do think they're starting to slow down a bit now though with the leaps and bounds it's like when a new one comes out it's like well i don't really need to get that because it's not really much different from the last one mm. so let's say a few years before the jumps were big weren't they you go from a diff, say an iPhone, for example, you go from one version to the next and you had to get it because the camera was 10 tons better and like, you know, it had all this and all that. But now they're, they're not really, they're not really moving that fast anymore. Are they? You know, it's like, it's, 
I'll stick with my seven or my eight for a few years, then I'll get another one. It's, so it know. works. For, if, it, if it ain't broke, if it, it doesn't need fixing. Just just use what you got. It's like cars. I'm not I'm not a big person when it comes to new cars. You know, we've got our cars like ten years old, and I'm, we're not driving anywhere anywhere at the moment, are we? Um, so it's, it doesn't really bother me. I literally took mine off the road for the whole of the thing. So I thought, well, there's not really much point in expending on it if we're going to get told off for driving outside the village. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you know. Yeah. So. Incredible, incredible what's been, been going on. Um, what, yeah, what, you know, about, what, what about lightning in a bottle then? Because that was an interesting thing that, that came up um, within the last couple of years as well that, that spiked my interest anyway, getting involved with Toby Jepson, who I, you know, at the start of the busker sessions, by the way, I was always commenting on a, on a Thursday because oh, awesome. I, I was, a, well, still am, a massive Little Angels fan. My yeah, incredible band. Yeah, everything. So I'd be the one asking for like instead of the obvious ones, I'd be asking for splendid isolation and stuff like that. Yeah, and getting comments awesome. back going, "Oh, awesome! <laughs> yeah, I'll do." And he did that one. I was like, "Yeah, but yeah." It suddenly That's... came out you got a relationship with Toby, and then a separate, separate business as well. And I, I, I'm interested in the, in in the mentoring a band things. You know, it's yeah. I mean, I mean, Toby. I mean, you know, you were there at the start of it, actually. Pretty much, you helped us out with Toby. Um, and um, oh yeah, with, um, remember Laney, that Laney and I yeah. Did you stick to yeah. Yeah. yeah again again it's, it's all yeah. coming back full circle yeah, but yeah I mean I, I when I when I first started Stampede Toby was one of the first people that I reached out to because I've, I've always felt um, the thing is I, I I was a massive fan of Little Angels back in the day and then he just completely dropped off my radar and I remember back in 2007 Panic Cell were playing the Fields of Rock Festival in Netherlands and I remember walking to our stage. And I could hear Fastway play, um, which is Fast Eddie Clark's band from Motorhead. And the singer, I was like, that sounds like Toby Jepson. Now, bearing in mind, I haven't heard Toby's stuff in years. I hadn't even heard Toby's solo stuff. Or I hadn't listened to Little Angels properly in years. But I completely recognised his voice because he's got a unique voice. Yeah, and it was, yeah. It was him. It was him. And then... I was like, wow, it's Toby Jepsen. It just took me back to my, you know, early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. And I saw him in the artist area, but I didn't have the balls to say hello to him. And um, fast forward to 2013 and I've set up Stampede. I'm like, right, I want to try and work with some legacy acts. Because I knew if I get some legacy acts on my roster, that will open doors for me with regards to press and media. So Toby was one of the first people that I reached out to. And fortunately... He accepted it and we met up for a coffee and we got along really, really well. We quickly formed a, a business relationship. I helped out with some PR. We did a we did an EP together. And the, the relationship just carried on from then, from so 2013 to now. But amongst that, um, we quickly realized we had a love of songwriters um, because Toby's a, a bona fide songwriter. Yeah. And um, I've always felt as technology has evolved, the art of songwriting is perhaps getting lost in favour of the production values. Now, that's just an opinion of mine. But I've always, I've always, I'm strongly opinionated on this, but I've always felt that if the song's good enough, you can strip it back to an acoustic guitar or a piano or a small three-piece orchestra, and that song will still shine. As opposed to, we've got this big fat riff, and we're just going to fit the vocals over the top of it because the big fat riff is sledgehammer. 
Uh, and we can, and, and we and we can copy it and loop it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's it's always you know, I, I've always felt strongly that the songwriting is the heart of any song, and the the everything that surrounds it is simple simply clothing. You know, the, the riffs is, is clothing. It's craft. You know, you yourself as a guitarist, you work extremely hard to learn guitar and hone your craft. But ultimately, it's like, we're, we're musicians. Are we songwriters? I'd argue no. So I, I do feel strongly that if there are bona fide songwriters out there that have something incredible to offer, then those need to be explored and nurtured. And quickly, what happened with me and Toby, we realised we were lovers of songwriting, of songwriters. So the, the obvious ones being... David Bowie and Freddie Mercury, for example, always come up in conversation whenever we're sort of setting the benchmarks. Toby, Toby as a songwriter is always going, well, you know, this doesn't meet the standards of someone like Freddie Mercury or David Bowie, et cetera. And that's fine. You know, you need those benchmarks and all that. Is it good enough? And we're both very, very critical of, of our own work, of songs, and we quickly realised that we wanted to help bands find that way back to the beating heart of what it is to be a musician, whether it be through songwriting or whether it be through the pure joy of being able to get into a rehearsal room together and just turn up the amps and go, you know, just have fun doing it. Um, because ultimately, I think it's, it could be argued that social media especially has taken over from that the first thing that bands are thinking about is, well, we need to get a, a great looking website. We need to get great looking social media. We need to make sure we're getting all these videos done, all our content. We've got a content calendar, all the important stuff at the right time. But it's, before, it's, it's, it's coming ahead of the actual music itself in some cases, in a lot of cases, I'd argue. So I think it was about 2015, 2016, we were like, well, we're going to set up a business. We're going to set up this mentoring um, agency, consultation sort of agency that offers bands uh, either online sessions where we discuss the music or we mentor them or in the moment environments in rehearsal rooms where we spend a day with them, we go through songwriting processes and, and talking about what it is to be a musician in the digital age. It didn't happen around them because Toby was asked to form a band and the band became Wayward Sons. Um, and so that's been a, a major focus for him in the past few years. But then we finally got it together in 2018 and we, we launched a company called Lightning in a Bottle, um, which has, as, as I've just highlighted, it's, it's a um, consultation agency there to help musicians get the best out of their music, to get back to what it means to write songs and to just make the music unique if possible as opposed to sounding like a lot of other things um so yeah it's 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 an interesting journey we, we're continuing with that journey um it's not so much at the moment um we've been focusing a lot on toby's own solo career and developing that and um as you said you know the, the busker sessions and ultimately we're working towards um a new solo album with him but it's at the forefront of everything we do is like, how can we help artists? How can we help musicians understand how they can best utilize the environments and the tools that they have at their disposal, 
without getting sucked into the um the world of social media too much and, and thinking that's where their focus needs to be. But yeah, it's like the grey hairs teach, you know, giving a bit of wise words to the young'uns if they want it, because you know they might look at it and go, You what? You old farts. What do I want to know about that? Uh, yeah, it's good. No, I think yeah. I think I think I think it's great and I think it's much, much, much needed because it's it, it's a harsh world out there, man. And it's also a harsh world not even out there because you like you say everything is so accessible. It's a harsh world sat in your, on your sofa if you let it be. You know? Yeah. If you're yeah. trying to break, if you're trying to break a band like it's all you've got to do is look at your phone and go, oh. you know, it's 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 daunting. It's 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 um it is what it is. It's not going to change very soon. The, the, exactly. The, the, yeah. The, 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 the thing, the thing that always gets me as well. We're just saying about you know people who want to you know songwriting and my main bugbear because I was doing a lot of different uh, recording things over the last. I, I do it for fun. Mm-hmm. I also do. It, I do it for other people's fun as well. I'm not do. I, I do it and I think I'm hoping someone else will like that song or and it gives me an outlet to create. But it's the same for all this. I, I feel sorry for the, the bona fide, amazing songwriters that are releasing music and nowadays realise that most people are going to listen to them through one of these and sometimes not even with headphones on. Mm. Might not even listen to the whole song and might go, oh, that sounds nice. Correct. 15, 30 so, seconds up next. Correct. It's not the same. Mm. It's like, I'm an album guy. You know, it's like, I, well, I'm, I'm st- well, vinyl-wise, I know it's, it's big and fashionable now and stuff again, which is great. I still got all my brother's old vinyl, and I've said this on here. He's going to ask for him back, isn't he? He <laughs> <laughs> shot yourself in the foot. He probably, probably won't. Um, but like CDs, for example, and t- I, I'm, I, I like to listen to the whole album because an album should tell us tell a story. I've never been a singles guy. Um, I hate it when I do. Well, for example, let's be honest. My main sort of income for the last three years has been playing guitar in a in a Bon Jovi tribute duo because mm. it goes down so well because in you can go to a general venue and 90% of the people will know 50% of the songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never have yeah. a bad you, de- you never have a bad yeah. hit, you know. And it and it and it paid the bills. But what used to get me is the question that comes out, what's your favorite album? Crossroads. That's the, oh, best, the best, best off. That's the best off. <laughs> it's not an album. <laughs> it's like <Roll> on. <laughs> It's slippery when wet, surely. Or New is Jersey, it? New, New Jersey for me. Really? Yeah. Really? That's interesting. I'd argue that it's uh, sing, New me, Jersey. Sing, me, sing, me singer would say these days. I mean, I, I mean they're all great albums. Yeah. But you, you, if you go back to slippery when wet, when wet, I had an interesting conversation with Toby recently about this because um, Little Angels toured with Bon Jovi on the Keep the Faith tour yeah, did, in yeah. 92, and 90, they, and 93. And they toured with Van Halen on the four Van Halen as well. Court. Right, no, live right here, right now tour they did that one. Yeah. And li- I, don't know if, I don't know if you know this, but Toby was actually asked to be considered to be the vocalist for, for Bon Jovi before um, John, uh, Van Halen. Before Gary Sharon, it was it was muted point. It never happened. It wasn't. If you'd, if you'd wasn't got that, that would have been awesome. <laughs> but so the, the case in point, they were touring with Bon Jovi night three on the Keep the Faith tour, and um, Toby and John got on really well. Toby spent a lot of time with John Bon Jovi, and um, the first thing he asked him. I think I think what happened basically he was in a dressing room first. Good John Bon Jovi comes into the dressing room, goes. Do you want to have a coffee? Do you want to have a chat? You know? So here's Toby. He's like, sleeping when wet changed his life 
when that came out. So here's, here's Toby going, oh my God. And also bear in mind, they had a number one album at the time. But because he's such an authentic, real person, that didn't affect him. What affected him was, here's John Bon Jovi in his dressing room asking if he wants to go for a coffee. It's like mind-blowing. So they go and have a coffee, and um, Toby's like, sipping and wet, you know, did you know it was going to, what was going to happen? You give love a bad name, living on a prayer, wanted, wanted dead or alive. Yeah. Did you know when you were doing this? It was like, John Bon Jovi said, we thought we were done. The record company was ready to drop us. They literally put us in the hands of what they deemed as a safe producer and a safe co-writer. So you had Desmond they, Child and Bruce Fairbairn. Desmond Child, yeah. Yeah. So, they, but they were they weren't at that super high level at that point. Mm -hmm. So literally, they were put in these safe hands. The record label were looking to at least make their money back, and then probably drop the band. And what John Bon Jovi told Toby was that one day, him and Richie Sambor walking along somewhere in New Jersey, and they're like discussing what they were going to do next because in t in their eyes, they thought the band was done. They thought the record label was going to drop them, and that was it. They were ready to go back to day jobs. They were talking about working at their uncle's garage in New Jersey and all this stuff. Of course, that didn't happen. Um, but yeah, that I thought I thought that was astonishing. I, I really thought that tale was astonishing because we know the rest is history, obviously. Yeah. But there was a point where literally the record label were like, well, if this doesn't work out, we're dropping you. Um, but that, that album changed the game. Oh, that yeah. yeah. Absolutely changed the game. Um, but it just shows you, just you just don't know what's around the corner. Nothing set in stone. Um, and as we know, Desmond Child went on to write hu other huge songs. Bruce Fairburn, massive albums. And the band itself, you know, undeniable. Everything from Slippery through to these days, in my eyes, is a cracking album. And, and then you look at it as well, that the people's careers that were launched off those albums, where Bob Rock was an engineer on things like New Jersey and that. Yeah. You know, it's, and now it's like one of the most sought after producers in the world, but literally he was the guy putting the mics on the drums. On, on, <laughs> you know, and from, this, from uh, that you get Dr. Feelgood, and it's like, then it's like, okay, then you get the black. Yeah. Guys, because Metallica yeah. loved, loved the sound of Dr. Feelgood, the way it started up. We want to sound yeah. that, that weight of the guitars and the drum sounds and that. And then you get the Black Album, which the sound was honed off Motley Crue, which I think is yeah. great. You know I mean? And then, and then yeah. you get um, what else did you get? You get um, did he do keep the faith? Or was that bro? I can't uh, remember. He did keep the faith. I can't remember. He did what? He did Motley Crue's self-title album, didn't he? With John um, John Carabi. John Carabi, which I actually, yeah. actually love that album. It's, it's, oh, I love yeah. it, mate. Uh, that's that that yeah. that album. In my my opinion, the production of that album is the template for music as we know it today in terms of hard rock. You listen to it, it's, it's what inspired Nickelback and it's inspired a ton of bands. And they're just literally they're using the plugins from that, I reckon. <laughs> I, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. I Incredible think, I, I, think, I, I, think, I think that album was way ahead of its time when it was trying to, yeah. sign, when it was actually trying to, it, what they were trying to do with that album was try and make something that wasn't ahead of its time. They wanted to fit in because they'd lost market share, they wanted to release yeah. something grungy. But what yeah. they actually created was something that created 90s or well, 2000s alternative rock. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and really, if you look at what they were doing, they were literally like, oh, grunge has come out now. We don't look very cool. We've lost the singer. You know, we're playing, <laughs> we're playing smaller and smaller places, but we, we want to be hip. But they, they overshot it by 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> literally did, you know. Yeah. That, 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 those two albums for me are just Motley Crue benchmarks. Have you watched you know, The Dirt? Yeah, yeah. I, I prefer the book, if I'm honest, I, but I enjoyed, I enjoyed the I, film. I do, I do say that to people. I enjoyed the film, and a lot of people I know have watched it, and I've, also, I've just told them, read the book, because the, the, mm. the, the film has got so much they can't put in it that's in the book. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. The, book, the book can make you ill, can't it? It can make you like go and have a bath like for three hours after you've read it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it literally does what it says on the tin. It is filthy. But I think it's such an incredible... Um, there's so many lessons to be learned from books like that. Um, people say, like, be careful what you wish for. And ultimately, if it's like, do you want to become a drug addict? Do you want to become a heroin addict? Do you want to be, be depressed? Do you want to be in prison? Be in prison. Yeah. yeah. It's like, there's so many cautionary tales in that. Those. Um, you know, I, like I said, when I, when I was a, a, a kid, teenager in the 90s, you know, I wanted to live a rock and roll lifestyle. And I experienced a little bit of it. And it, it didn't, it was amazing, but at the same time, I, I, got, I got so many issues because of it, mental health issues. And I was a size, you remember, I was the size of a house at some stage, you know, I was, I was just drinking too much and whatnot. Well, sometimes an endorsement with Jägermeister is not a great thing, is it? <laughs> it is a fantastic I, thing for promotions, it, but I remember being on, on the tour and literally just arriving at the venue, I'm like, what's that? Oh, it's our customary couple of bottles of Jägermeister and 12 test tubes. We get them at every gig. And I'm like, that was a good Christmas, by the way, that was. Because because we because we, <laughs> we drove to every gig, we kept putting the rider in our cars and going home, didn't we? Nice. That's good. Christmas, right. Christmas it's, it's, it was like, look at all this. Yeah. Uh, you, get, you get the chance to have an experience of the rock and roll lifestyle. You're going to take it, definitely. But it's it's looking back now. I wish there was someone there sort of taking me to one side and who, who had a proven track record. So, for example, Nicky Six or John yeah. Bon Jovi take me to one side and go, hey, man, it's, it's cool, it's fun, but this is doing you a bit of damage. Because um, I would have paid attention. But, oh, my God, John Bon Jovi's giving me some advice. And I would yeah. I would pay attention to it. But it was so taboo back then. We weren't, you know, we couldn't have these sort of conversations in public. We weren't doing these things. It's, what I applaud now is the fact that we're talking more and more about this we're talking more about mental health. We're talking about how you can have a positive career in music. We're talking about the sharks. We're talking about, you know, you want, you know, there's, there's loads of groups, Facebook groups out there where people can go in and get advice and discover right moves and, 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 and avoid the, the, mis, the misfires and especially avoid the sharks. I, I, I do applaud the fact that that's definitely a step forward when it comes to what technology has given us because back then, you literally like you're just fumbling around finding your own way and fucking your life up. <laughs> but having a good time whilst doing it. <laughs> well, yeah, I, 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 I'd say you know you you wouldn't wouldn't change a thing in the world because you've earned so much respect from doing it the way you've done it and and coming out with all this experience which you're now passing on to new racks and stuff, which I thought I find I find really really inspiring, mate. I really do. Ah, uh, thank you. I, I, I did the master's degree um, in 2019. And again, I had no education experience after college, really. I had a basic 
of course, so I could get into business. But I did the master's degree just so I could have um, a, have those letters after my name to prove myself that I am good enough. But more importantly, to be able to say to people that approach me, I am trustworthy. I have got your best interest at heart. I'm not here just to take your money. You know, some, some things I do for free. You know, I will help a band out. I, I, I helped a band out the other day and did a press release for free because I like the band and I want to support them. Um, but I, essentially, I my 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 mission statement is I want to be viewed as one of the most trustworthy, reliable people in the music business that has people's well-being at heart and ultimately help musicians enjoy being creatives and enjoy music because there was a time where I couldn't pick up a guitar. I couldn't listen to music. I, it just, all of it was so all fused together and I hated it. I hated myself and it's taken me a while to get back to a place where I can put on an album and just like enjoy music for what it is because it is such a wonderful, wonderful thing and playing an instrument. I mean, I've, I've got my little, little thing there going on there and, I need to spend more time on that, to be fair. I need to get that keyboard out, that guitar out, and that Ibanez sound gear bass um, that you might recognise. Yeah. It's like I, the SRXO Doom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's in that photo that's on this, this podcast. Um, it's an amazing thing, isn't it? Being a musician, being a creative artist, uh, the joys that come with it. But I warn people, it's like, that if you... If you want to get past the hobby stage, if you want to start promoting yourself and selling your music and trying to get streams and whatnot, you are in the music business. Whether you know it or not, you're in the music business. So you need to pick up some learning and some skills really, really quickly. Otherwise, you're going to be in for a very, very challenging time. And that's putting it in a nice, nice way. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think, I think, I think a lot of people that are in sort of bands that could do with watching this chat actually because there's the number of points in it that's that's that are great i like saying proper inspiring right what i'm going to do as well is i'll put links for everything um that, that you do in the description here as well because you've got oh i love that thank you because you, you've created a few great things as well and your guidelines and theses for people to follow as well in the last couple of years as well which is well worth people checking out and signing up for yeah, and none, none of this, what, what we're talking about, none of it is rocket science. None of it is going to take up all your time. It's just, it's like literally, I'd say to anyone, pick 10 things that you need to know about and just do them well, whether it is relationship management. Learn how to be authentic, you know, and develop relationships. And then it becomes second nature to you, you know? Um, yeah, I just, I just think we're, we're now at a point where it's so competitive... I hate using that word. It shouldn't be competitive, but it is. We're all trying to compete. Well, not all of us. But if you're in a band and you want to get on download or onto Planet Rockstock or something, you're, you're competing against other bands. So how how do you get to the top of the tree with that? Well, you've got to be the best band possibly can. You've got to have a relationships, connections. You've got to have a fan base, a rabid. All these different things that you've got to realise. It's not just a simple, I'm going to send you a message and check out my band. It's not It's not that. That and comes at a much later stage. And, and look how many views I've got on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, li literally, yeah. Uh, none of that, none of that matters. shit matters. Especially, especially if you're, if you're um, faking it as well. You know, that can be spotted a mile away, all this stuff. The industry has all the tools to spot, you know, if you are faking it. Um, got to be authentic. Definitely got to be authentic.
Well, mate, it's been absolutely amazing to catch up and talk to you. Like I say, any any links to anything will be put in the uh, description below. If you can send those all to me, mate. I will do, Chris. Thank you, mate. Really appreciate um, it. And I hope people get some proper inspiration out of this chat as well, because it, it was I wanted to get you on because it'd be a different thing to the normal sort of look at the gear I use and, and the guitar I use and the amps that I use type sort of type chat. Really, where really we've gone in. I wanted to get something into the other side of it of, of someone that, that used to play and used to tour and has toured the world and done that, but now has come out of it with a different outlook and a, and a, and a, a different uh, mindset on on helping other people and how they can how they can progress in their own careers you know it's it, it's i think it's really worth, worth worth a look for a lot of people oh thank you mate uh, it, it means a lot and um you know and on a personal we, we, note, i'm proper proud of you as well really am I, oh, I, cheers, I, mate. I, I watch along from afar and i'm always checking out things and liking them because I, I i do i think it's you know relationships awesome. back in the day they last a lifetime you know what i mean it's it's great you know yeah yeah and yeah you know, everything that we do it's it's literally we're, we're doing it for the right reasons aren't we you know we can go to bed at night and our conscience is clear and crystal. um yeah crystal clear definitely Cheers, Chris. Really appreciate it, mate. It's, it's been awesome. And uh, like I say, to everybody who's watching these, if you could like and subscribe, it's all much appreciated. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. Thanks, Rob. I'll catch you later. Cheers, Chris. You've been listening to the Beer and Gear podcast with Chris Taylor.